Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, Crystal and I are going to be discussing something that is very personal to us, but also very informative at the same time. We're going to be talking about the absence of a father in the household while growing up and how that affects us currently in our lives. But as always, before we get into the topic, we are going to do a check-in. So how are you, my darling, my boo? So, hello, uh, everyone. Uh, yesterday, I was feeling good. Uh, so, you know, don't tell our bosses. But Sasha and I, like, took the day off of work to kind of just <laughs> chill and hang out. And, I, you know, I hit her up. I was like, what are you doing on Friday? No work, no podcast, just good vibes. Like, let's go. Let's do something. So that kind of went from... Uh, just a Friday thing to a Friday Saturday thing so I was feeling really good and I think that now that I'm kind of like going back to you know like work mode is like in the future I'm like dreading it a little bit so I, I will say I felt like taking the time to restore take time to myself do things that I enjoy be out in the sun walk be physical just get out of the routine of being at home work is here my personal life is here like everything lives in my living room um it was nice to get out of that it was a very well needed break I mean first of all thank you for inviting me out because I don't think I would have done it uh, I spend so much time alone now that it's like kind of my default like even if I'm gonna be have time to myself I'm just alone which is not always a bad thing but it was nice to be with you and feel like I was normal again because we are still in a pandemic. And this is this is heavy. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. And I lately, because of the state that we're in, it's been very difficult for me to draw the the boundaries for myself in regards to, well, this is work. And then this is your personal life. So I find myself thinking about my work during my personal life. So Yesterday, even after when we, you know, finished playing hooky, so to speak, I I started thinking about the week ahead and it was just nonstop. And I'm really wondering, like, is this going to be a forever thing? Which I mean, even saying it, I know it's not because no feeling is final. However, it's 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 been heavy working this way because I I don't have the actual physical boundaries to stop my mind from thinking about what it is that I have to do. So I'm not going to lie, this topic today is touchy for me, very touchy, <laughs> very emotional is what I mean to say, and it's been on my mind since last night. So I, it, it's crazy, but I cannot stop thinking about it. So um, that's where I'm at. It's, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so as I stated, this is very personal for me, which is why I'm nervous. And it's personal for both of us because we actually have similar stories in regards to our fathers. And the reason that we decided to discuss it is because... I don't know about anybody else, but I or Crystal even, but sometimes I look back and I'm like the feeling overall when it comes to my father and what happened was is usually like a what the fuck kind of moment. Like, yo, that's not normal. And when you have that thought of not feeling normal, it definitely messes with you a little bit. It messes with your sense of self. Well, at least me, I can't speak for everybody else. Like I know that there are people in the world who don't let it affect them because I've seen it and I'm like, yo, I wish I was like you. And I and they see it as separate uh, from themselves, you know, in regards to what happened with their family members or their parents. But I know that I can't be the only one who internalizes certain things. So the content that we're going to be discussing today is for all those people who are similar to myself and to Crystal that sit there wondering, like, yo, what the fuck? What was that? Like, what was that last, you know, 31 years of my life? And how do I see this person and how does it still affect me to this day? I think that these are the moments where we can normalize our quote unquote dysfunctional experiences 
and take some of that shame away that we feel when rethinking our narrative or retelling our story. I think that for a really long time, I didn't necessarily have the time, the space or the energy uh, to talk about my relationship with my father only because it was it was definitely something that I was aware of. And I guess because in like media and things like that, everyone's like daddy issues, you know, like everyone has mm. daddy issues. And then I realized that I had mommy issues because like, yes, there were daddy issues that were present because he wasn't around. But like my mother was there, like my mother was who took care of me. And I think for a long time and even still now, that's always been the primary relationship that I've focused on. So I think like when it came to my father, I was like, well, he's not around. And I have so many other things. Like I was like, I was experiencing trauma and like just trying to like live my life and grow up and deal with all of the challenges. I don't think that I really felt like I had the room or that it was a priority until the end of his life. You know, I don't know. I think I thought I always had time on my hands. And then when it was taken away from me, things things change very quickly. But before we get into that, I think it's important to even just talk about the importance of fathers in the home and just the roles that fathers play overall, because I think that'll help ground the conversation so we can all have just a basic understanding of the importance of their roles. I'm so happy you said that because culturally speaking, I don't think that, well, I can't speak for other cultures, but American culture puts enough emphasis on the father and, and their importance in the the family. I feel even in psych, they they just kind of blame it all on the mom. It's like primary mm-hmm. caregiver, bad mommy, bad mommy, good mommy. And that's how, that's the literature that you read when you're in school. And you're like, hold on, where's the daddy at? And they just right. kind of like take him away. So it's all about the mother wound. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, where's the father wound? Like, the, there's two, took two people to create me. Uh, can't just blame it all on one. Yeah, but I think that that'll speak to what we're going to get into into next. So I'm excited. I also want to say that we're working off of very cultural, heteronormative norms here uh, about there being a mother and a father figure in the home. Obviously, as LGBTQ rights um, and LGBTQ visibility has been on the rise, we do see that households can look very different. And I think it would be more appropriate, I guess, to, you know, acknowledge that it could be a two-father household. It could be a two-mother household. There could be three parents in the home, right? Like, we are very much working off of what we would call, I guess, the nuclear family dynamic, which is realistically very antiquated. I will say that in some psychology or mental health circles, there has been a change towards working towards the caregiver to acknowledge the different types of families that are are forming today, right? Because you can have three parents, you can have you know, mixed families, you can have LGBTQ families, you can have parents or caregivers that are non-binary. So I do want to acknowledge that we are speaking from a very heteronormative place and also would like to acknowledge that uh, we understand that that comes from a place of privilege. But with this podcast, we do speak from our own experiences and we do come from heteronormative uh, households. So I just want to put that out there that we're not intentionally ignoring those things, but we want to ground the conversation and what we know, what we understand the most for ourselves. Just to give you a little bit of insight into how important the father role actually is, there is a nonprofit foundation called the National Fatherhood Initiative. And in they do a lot of, I think they've been over 25 years working in figuring out the importance of, of the role of a father and what happens when there's a lack of a father figure within the home. So in the most recent 2020 U.S. Census, they found that there are 18.3 million children, one in four, uh, living without a father figure, biological, stepfather, or adoptive within the home. And through their research, they found that if you grow up without a father figure, you are at a higher risk of poverty. There's actually a greater risk of infant mortality, which makes me really sad. Um, yeah, that's that's so surprising to me. 
I would like to read more about that, but I'll do that on my spare time. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that too, but then I started thinking like, well, that makes a lot of sense because it, like I said, it takes two to make the baby. If the mother is hot, is in a higher state of stress because right. she doesn't have a partner to help her out, how, I mean, that it, it does correlate. I mean, I, yeah, it's just a correlation, not a direct uh, causation. Yeah, ex- not a direct causation. Exactly. Children who grow up with a, without a father are more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to have behavioral problems, likely to experience abuse and neglect within the household, abuse, drugs, and alcohol, more likely to go to jail, more likely to suffer obesity, commit crime, and drop out of high school. And that list is so daunting. Oh, my God. Even just saying it. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of stuff. I also feel like it's also crazy that we like I guess beat the odds yo we made it (laughs) yeah yeah no when I when I was looking at the information I was like yo like I I can't speak for you but for me that's why it was so easy for me to just kind of undermine my father's role in my life because it felt like I never needed him but now that I'm 31 years old I look back I'm that that story has changed very much. Uh, I, I definitely needed him. And I think there's a part of me that will always need him. The role of a father does play an important role because it's important in the in the early childhood experiences in shaping someone's personality and their behavior. Your father is the first male figure in your life, right? So this in turn will affect your relationship with men throughout your life. And when I say that, I don't just mean romantic relationships. I mean in how you engage with the opposite sex or whoever identifies as a man in your life because your first relationships with a male figure are going to be repeated throughout your your life. They are responsible for emotional development and regulation. I think that you, that is usually placed on the mother in regards to like soothing and how to help the child internalize what self-soothing actually looks like. They're also responsible for creating a sense of security within the child, right? So when you are in danger and you're little and you run to your dad and something happens and you don't feel safe, that moment where they hug you and they hold you and they tell you everything's going to be all right doesn't just come from the mother. It also comes from the father and it helps you feel secure within yourself. And therefore, you internalize that as an adult and you can do that for your own self because you you were given a model to begin with from a male role model. They set the bar for relationships with others, which is something that I did speak about. Something about the literature that I did not particularly enjoy reading was the distinction between how fathers affect boys versus girls, because I found it to be too stereotyped in the gender norms. So for boys, apparently they're they're going to model their behaviors off of their fathers, which does make sense, right? Because they, if they also assume the identity of a man, mm-hmm. they're going to repeat the behaviors that their father has shown them or indirectly shown them. They will seek approval from a man, right? As men, they want to be like them and they also want to make them proud. But this is where it gets weird for me because I think that girls also want to make their dads proud, right? And it's interesting to me because when they talked about the role of a father on a girl, they usually speak about what's acceptable behavior from a man. Right. Like, how is a man going to treat that girl? I also think it's the same for boys growing up in the house because they need to know how men are supposed to treat just not just them as boys, but just humans in general. I also think that they they emphasize the emotional piece more so with the girls than they did with the actual boys, because the boys needed to, according to what I read, the boys needed to be taught how to how to be a man, a quote unquote man. Right. And the girls needed to be taught how to be loved. I don't want to own that piece 100% because I think that boys need to be loved as well. And I think that men Mm -hmm. need to do, that father figures need to do a better job at showing that love to boys and girls and normalizing that. That's a great point that you bring up. I think a lot of our psychology textbooks and things like that are antiquated in that they are following the norms of the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, when a lot of these gender norms or gender stereotypes were very much in place. You know, maybe as the years go on, the literature will start to reflect the more complex dynamics of human beings and gender fluidity and the roles of people in the household. Because the literature is very based on 
very American cultural norms. I I do want to speak to the dynamics within Black and Latinx culture, because I think that what we see a lot of, even like on TV or when we, you know, us as mental health professionals, when we're being taught how to work with diverse groups, you know, we're taught that for these specific cultures, the expectation is that the fathers are not around. Um, Mm. They may be dead. They may be in prison. I know that in Dominican culture, and maybe even in other Latinx cultures, you know, like the man is cheating and he has multiple secret families. And at Mm. any point, you know, he can abandon this family for that family, right? So I think that a lot of where like the way that some POC groups grow up is that the expectation is that you won't have a father in the household. And if you don't have a father in the household, that you shouldn't care. Or that because they were not the present parent, that they didn't influence your world in significant ways. Me personally speaking to that, I did think like he didn't, you know, my father didn't influence my world in significant ways. Because if you're not around, how do you influence anyone? Like you're not physically present. You know, something that I say is like my father was my first heartbreak because I think that was my first experience with abandonment. And how do you as an individual then carry that with you throughout life when you have this notion that you were abandoned? And what is the narrative that you create around that abandonment? Like, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't this enough. You know, and how do you then carry that throughout your life as well? Like that, that narrative, that story that you've made up in your head. It's so normal for us as Black and Latinx people to view the father figure as this thing apart from yourself and not mm-hmm. something that is internalized. But in reality, and so that creates a lot of confusion because you have, we inevitably internalize these messages, these indirect or direct messages we were given from when we're little. We go out about our life thinking that it doesn't bother us. So mm-hmm. eventually they're going to clash. And I could tell you for sure they clash within me. The other thing I will say with Black and Latinx families that I've noticed also is that they're very community-based. Even though the father is not around, there tends to be a lot of other people that do sometimes, not all the time, not everyone has immediate family that can help or support. But some some families I know, like within my family, like we didn't have, I didn't have my father figure But, you know, like we also lived in a building where everyone else was there. So I think everyone kind of was responsible also for raising the child to a certain degree. I think that sometimes when you if you don't grow up with that father figure, depending on the family dynamics, there are ways which the family unit can can supplement the role of the father and help bridge those dynamics as well. So I think every family dynamic is very unique and complex and interesting in their own ways. And there's a lot of factors that contribute to that. But I did want to put that out there as well to just make sure that we're being inclusive of all of the dynamics that could potentially exist. It's a really good point. And it also makes me think about you know, yes, you have the supplemental pieces to maybe not having the father in the house. However, you think about the men, I, what I, my brain immediately went to the men in my life who were present and how toxic they were as men, as men and the, the roles that they played in kind of perpetuating these ideas of like toxic masculinity within the family and Mm -hmm. how that also creates this kind of deficit within the home okay, like, great, I had my uncle, I had my grandfather, but they weren't teaching me how to love myself they or how to respect myself. Well, I, I actually felt that they, they taught me the opposite, to be quite honest. But I, I also think it's because men are put into these roles within society and how, of how they should look. I've seen that this is very prevalent within the Latinx home where you have the mother and the father still together, but the dad is the only provider. The dad is the one working hard and then he comes home and he doesn't want to deal with anything else. He's not emotional. He's not ready to do anything else that is placed on the mother and how that's also creating a lack of or maybe an absence of a father figure in what the child actually needs. Right. And I think that adds another layer because it's like, well, he's not actually absent. He's right there. 
I can see him. I can talk to him. He's physically within my space, but he's not emotionally with me. And I think that that is a dynamic that that I've seen a lot in Latinx homes. And I think that does talk a little bit to the cultural piece where, you know, in a lot of Latinx countries, similarly to uh, maybe like, I guess, American traditional norms where men are providers. And I think that speaks to the machismo that we see in Latinx culture a little bit where men are providers. They will provide the funds to keep the family going and they will help, you know, with creating children and creating the family. Right. But they they don't go beyond that. And I think that, yeah, that that's a, also a very interesting dynamic when your father is present, but not really. Yeah. And then what happens when the only emotion you get out of your father is aggression? And how do you internalize mm. that? Like, I can speak to that from my own experience. My father was in and out of the home when I was little, and he was aggressive. And he... <laughs> And this is why it's hard talking about your personal stuff. He was actually uh, physically abusive to my mother. And I would see that. And you would think that I would stray away from being aggressive. But me recognizing who was dominant in that situation, I I was a very aggressive adolescent up until early, maybe my 20s, where I, I realized that I had anger issues. And I'm not a boy, but I still internalize that. Because I saw him mm-hmm. be dominant. And I think also when you see someone being dominant and they're, I don't want to say winning, but they're kind of the one with the upper hand, mm-hmm. then you're like, well, I, I don't ever want to be the one that is the weak, the, the quote unquote weak one in, in the relationship. So I definitely understand how that can materialize. I will say, I think like for me, Growing up, I was very aware of the roles that men had in relationship to women because I think it it was weird because there were some, I guess, relationships in my family where the men were very present and were very loving. And I think that then there was the opposite. But in my immediate home, my mom was a single mom for a long time. Yeah, so my father was in and out of my life in the early years. So my parents were in divorce proceedings before I was even born. He was in and out. And I I will say the early years with my father for my mom were very difficult because he was very unpredictable. He was very unstable. So my mom had a lot of issues when he would come pick me up she was always afraid that she it would be the last time she saw me because he was so unpredictable that he would, you know, if he had visitation rights for a day, you know, he wouldn't bring me back for two or three days. And it was after, like, she would call him incessantly to be like, hey, like, bring me my child back. But for me, I was just like, my daddy's rich. He buys me all the toys. Like, <laughs> like we're about to go on an adventure and I'm going to get all the stuff that I want. So to me, I think it was an interesting dynamic early on, like early, early on. I'm talking about like four or five years old. And then as I got slightly older, the last time I saw my father physically was when I was seven, but between seven and 10, he would call a lot and promise to come see me. Uh, I remember one time, it had been a long time since I had seen him and he called and we talked on the phone and he promised that he was going to come see me. And I was so excited when I tell you I was hype. I was hype. I remember staying up most of the night. I'm sure I wasn't up most of the night, but when you're a kid, time goes really slowly. So I'm sure I was only up for maybe like a couple hours at most before I fell asleep, but it felt like I was up all night. I was up and I was so excited waiting to see him. And then the next day he didn't show up. And I felt like that, like to this day, like I still remember like the disappointment Oh, gosh. Don't cry, girl. (laughs) Get it together. Just still remember the disappointment just from that day because, like, I really wanted to see him. Like, yes, of course, my my childhood motives were I want free toys and adventures. But like I said, I think this was my first heartbreak because I was like, oh, like, he said he was coming and now he's not. 
And I don't know why he's not coming. Like, there wasn't even, like, I received a phone call, like, a cancellation. It was just a no-show. And I think that from then on, it was really difficult for me to reconcile that I could love this person and be so excited to see them and want them in my life. And they're also the person who's hurting me the most. And I think when you're a child, it's really difficult to wrap your head around both of those emotions because they're very opposite. Because love and disappointment or, you know, sadness, anger, whatever it is that you're feeling as a child, like when you're a kid, you learn, you know, you're happy, you're surprised, you're angry, like your understanding of emotions is very simple, but you still have the capacity to feel complex emotions, you just don't know what to do with them, or you don't know how to necessarily explain it. So I think it was really difficult to have such extreme emotions for the same person, and not know how to handle that. I think it's difficult for adults. So just imagine as a child. Absolutely. You know, like it creates this <laughs> I'm like in therapist mode and child mode at the same time. It creates this mm-hmm. void within you and you're you have to reconcile that void. Right? Like as an individual when in in reality this person that you're looking towards that you want that you do love and that you genuinely want to put your trust in but then they keep breaking it teaches you that you can't trust first of all the adults in your life and specifically the men in your life because th- these are the indirect messages being sent and then it also teaches you like oh i have to put all these confusing feelings away because there's nobody there to help me figure them out you know when you were talking i i remember when i was little i would press up against the screen of the window like on the summer days like my forehead all the way up against the screen of the window and then i'd get yelled at cuz i made a dent in it but I just could not wait for my dad to get there or to come and pick me up. And the days that he didn't show, like, I, yo, it was just like a movie. Like, it would get dark. And it's just like, yeah, he's not coming. Right? <laughs> and, like, yeah. how, do you, how do you go back? And then literally, what do you do? You don't talk to anybody about it. You just look around and you're like, all right, I'm going to go watch TV now. I'm going to go do something like children do. And you, And for me, I don't know about you, I slowly started to recognize that this person in my life was too inconsistent for me to put my hopes into. And not even just because he didn't show up, but because he was inconsistent in many other ways. I did say that my father was physically abusive and I was terrified of my father, absolutely terrified of him. And at the same time, I I was super excited to see him because going back to what you said about that, that love that you just pour all of that love from your heart into this person because they are your dad and they you know there's this expectation that you're they're supposed to be there for you and when they're not it's it's just it's a mind fuck and for anybody who wants to tell me that that does not affect who they are today if you've had those experiences i don't believe them because i i know how it's affected me and i i remember thinking well not not thinking i can reflect <laughs> So I remember just like thinking back um, on my relationship with my dad and being a little bit confused, but because everyone always made it a big deal that my dad wasn't around, I felt like I had to pretend that I didn't care um, Mm. that he wasn't around. So like, I think the, what the confusing part was that I did have feelings about it, but I had to pretend that I didn't care because, and it would be adult in my family, like oh, you know, because your dad's not around. And I'm like, why are y'all like almost shaming me about the fact that he's not around? This is so weird. I will say like, even though my relationship was very confusing, I think what stood out is like, not, not a single soul would stop to talk to me about how this relationship made me feel. There was one of my aunts on my mom's side who tried to talk to me about my father because she was the one who introduced my mom and my dad in the first place. So she always like had a a soft spot for my father. But I remember when she would try to talk to me, she would always try to defend him. And she would always try to justify his behavior and his actions, but she would never ask me about how I felt also like I didn't really trust my aunt that much so even if she I I think like even if she would have you know asked me uh, I don't think I would have trusted her because she was very gossipy so I was like I'm not I'm not telling you my business I feel like it was always about 
me having to accept things the way they were and move on, which was actually like a big pattern in my life. Like a lot of people were like, okay, it happened, get over it. And I think that was like her subtle message, even though I don't think that that was her intention. But it always felt like it invalidated my feelings. It left me feeling voiceless and frustrated at her and my dad. So I think that to to the earlier point about having these very conflicting feelings, I think it's when dealing with children, period, not allowing them to express themselves or talk out their feelings or treating children as if they don't understand is really, really, really problematic because children are sponges and they're very attuned to the environment that they're a part of and sometimes even more so than adults. And the problem with them being so conscious, if you don't explain to them what's going on, they're going to interpret it for themselves. And they're going to come up with the story, like I said Mm. earlier in the episode, for themselves. And because children, you know, tend to be a little narcissistic by nature, it's part of their development. Like everyone has to go through a phase where it's all about them. A lot of times you see the world, you see what's happening, and you center yourself in that narrative, even if it has nothing to do with you. Because I think one of the things that as I grew up, uh, like I understood about my father, because my father has passed, he passed in 2017. I don't think it was until after he died that I took myself out of the center of that narrative to see the bigger picture, to understand that this man had no capacity for me. And that had nothing to do with me. It did not mean that he didn't love me. It meant like my father was dealing with issues related to mental health. He was dealing with drug addiction. Um, My father was in and out of jail for for silly things. It would be like, you know, uh, public um, intoxication or public urination, things like that. Like, you know, it wasn't like anything major but he wasn't able to take care of himself and I think that if someone would have told me when I was younger I think it would have still taken time to process that it was not me I was not what was wrong and I was not the reason why he didn't stay and wasn't present in my life that he has issues that he can't get over I think it would have still been very difficult to get through those emotions, but I think I would have been able to see the bigger picture a lot sooner and not necessarily internalize like, oh, I'm not lovable. Oh, I must have done something wrong. Mm. You know, sometimes, because I I always used to say like, my dad is rich. Sometimes I used to think, oh my God, I'm going to cry again. (laughs) I used to think like, maybe I was too greedy and I wanted too many things and that's why he didn't come back mm. you know like so but yeah that I, I say that to to give an example of just how important it is to to really talk to to children and I think that we think like they're too young to understand and I guess you definitely have to be mindful of you know like children and what they you know what they should know what they shouldn't know but a child thinking that they're too greedy because they wanted too many toys and that's why their dad didn't come back like that that can leave long-lasting effects so first uh thank you for being so vulnerable because there especially like i i get tripped up because i i think that i know that this topic is very sensitive to me and then i create like this barrier between it so i really appreciate your vulnerability because that's how I want to show up. And I think that this idea of he ain't shit, he didn't, I didn't need him. Right. Like, or even let's talk about the fact that like now when I see myself with a child, which I do want a child, I don't picture the father. Mm. Like that's how long lasting these effects have been on me. Like, I'm like, no, I could do this all by myself. Like actually, no, I don't want to. I really don't want to. Um, But in my mind, my automatic, my automatic reaction is, yo, you ain't shit. Because he wasn't. And it's really hard to let those feelings in when the reality is is that you needed this person. You needed to to have them to to take care of you, to to show you what it is to be, to show you how to be okay with your feelings, right? To show you that feelings are okay, to show you that hurt is okay and someone got your back. Like someone, someone's gonna be there for you and someone's gonna be consistent for you. And when you don't have that, 
and you start internalizing these ideas that there's something wrong with you, that's when internal conflict happens. And that's when we like get into issues within adulthood. Um, I could tell you that for me, when <laughs> I don't think it wasn't until maybe about two years ago, two, three years ago that I recognized like, oh shit, I have so much stuff that I've never dealt with with my father because of the fact that he had passed away when I was 21. And I thought, well, it's done. It's over. And like, I kept repeating the same cycle. As a girl growing up without a dad, I, I'm now recognizing how not having him there led me to, to be so, to be so unaware of what it was that I, 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 of how I should be, how I should be treated by other Mm -hmm. men and not just men, but with people in general, like my lack of boundaries in regards to, that sounds like I have lack of boundaries with other people. No, my lack of boundaries and how much I let people take from me because I'm so used to being given half a half-assed kind of relationship and and it being quote unquote functional because it that was how I coped. I made it functional and this is just who he was, right? Uh remembering that yo, he used to he used to abuse the crap out of my mom and how I was always afraid of him. And at the same time I loved him and how this shows up in romantic relationships and even just with men in general, like when men come and approach me, I'm just like, yo, what do you want? Because I don't feel safe. Like that initial reaction is, it's not safety. And, and I don't even remember feeling like a kid to be quite honest to you and feeling joyous, which is a problem in and of itself, because you think back and you're like, Oh fuck. Uh, there was nothing fun about you because I was always so fucking terrified of you. (laughs) And this is vulnerable. Uh, (laughs) And then even worse, you know, my father, I had an older brother and he, when he got, became old enough to tell my father, like, yo, stop threatening our mom. Stop being this asshole. My father just walked away from us. Like, yo, we weren't even worth fighting for. And how that lives inside of me or just anybody else when, you know, when you, when you really stop and think about your value in the world and how people, how you feel people perceive you, like, and I, I'm angry about it and I'm still really angry about it. And I think you hear it in my voice because it's like, yo, fuck you, man. Like, how dare you do that? Like, why put children into this world? And, and then at the same time, I'm happy I'm alive. So it's still confusing. (laughs) Um, you know, like, so when my father walked out on us, just because my brother stood up to him, literally he was gone for like two and a half years and I spent two and a half years without him, not thinking about him, not even missing him because I had no expectations of this man. And then he comes back into my life. And then lo and behold, my mother tells me later on in my life that she sought him out, which is a very twisted dynamic that I we cannot get into right now um, because she wanted him to be in our lives. And ever since then, like I, I think I was like 10 or 11. I just stopped calling him dad. I just ended up calling him Jimmy because that's who he was. Jimmy was a human being in my life who was not a dad, who I had no expectations of. And I never had the opportunity to actually have expectations of people. And just think about that, like not having expectations of people and how that will affect relationships when I genuinely love and care about somebody, because then I may place higher expectations or maybe I just, I don't even give you the opportunity to be in my life because yo, I just don't even want to be disappointed by another person and and it's wild to me like because I I see it more clearly now in my adult life than I ever did throughout my my whole upbringing even when my father was alive right I think you brought up a lot a lot of I like I could see like hear you I obviously I can see you right now but (laughs) I can hear uh (laughs) just you trying to make sense of a lot of different things mm. like you're like but there's this but then there's this but then there's that and you're just kind of like but but what is the truth and what is like which direction am I gonna go in um and I think that uh especially when we have someone like a primary attachment or caregiver even though technically your dad wasn't around to provide care I, it speaks to the complexity of these relationships of our like primary attachments when we're growing up because these are the people who influence our life the most and that's why I think that we you know in psychology we do talk a lot about the mother wound because 
mothers tend to be the more emotional beings, but I think we, you know, the the point of this episode is to say that relationships with fathers are equally uh, as complex. And I commend you for just being vulnerable and trying to make sense of it all because I, you know, like I said, I hear you going back and forth. And one of the things that I've had to learn about just primary caregiver relationships is that I'm I'm a very type A type of person. It's either black or it's white, you know, and I sometimes struggle to live in the gray. And I, I think that when it comes to these relationships, they're all in the gray because of, um, because you love mm-hmm. them, because they disappoint you, because they weren't there, you know, because they abandoned you, all the things that they taught you that maybe wasn't intentional, um, all the things that they didn't teach you, which they should have. It's, it's a lot to to process and to to make sense of it definitely is and i i can't help but think and look back and and you know to those people who are fathers or just parents or if you're in any dynamic where you are co-parenting right and you you're recognizing like oh what is the role that i'm playing and what is the role that this other person is playing obviously it's (laughs) it's important And I think that one of the best ways to confront this, even if it's, you know, quote unquote dysfunctional and it doesn't look like the normal household or this this idea of what we thought it should look like, because I only I mean, I never really meet people like that. So but there's this child in me that genuinely wishes kind of like what you spoke to earlier, Crystal, someone would have sat me down and been like, listen, this is your father's capacity to be this you will understand this when you get older but do not think it's because Uh you're not lovable do not think it's because you're not wanted um because y'all like that's exactly how i grew up i felt unwanted by him and it's crazy because i literally just recognize how 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 that has been affecting me within my relationships just that relationship with my father it's it's um it's played a larger role than I ever gave it credit Uh for. And the worst part is, is that he passed away when I was 21. And now, and even the way he passed away, I mean, it was just hard because someone who never nurtured me, who never took care of me emotionally, he had cancer. And it was one of the most difficult times of my life in, because before he had cancer, he was in prison. And I was the one going to visit him, you know, while I was in college. And just having him take so much from me and me give me choosing to give that to him because I loved him and then not receiving anything back like that, sh- that'll still fuck with you. It doesn't take away the hurt no matter how much you process it. The fact that I don't have the opportunity now as an adult to reconcile these things with him or even just confront him or ask him whoa what was this like why did you do that right even if he could didn't have an answer for me just recognizing where his limitations were in person with him right now I just I all I have are memories and what I think are facts to look back on and for me it's just it's not enough because I genuinely still want that person in my life which is another messed up thing because it's like yo like why do I want this person in my life when he did all this wrong to me and it's like, yo, you never stop wanting your parents. Um, my my therapist, when I first started with her, she told me, she was like, your parents are like bookends. You need one on the left and one on the right to hold you up. And that, I was 21, but I didn't understand it. Now it just makes so much sense to me. Again, thank you for, for being vulnerable. I also love that bookends uh, metaphor. Uh, with my father, I... Once he passed, I definitely forgave him. I think that I, for a very long time, held on to resentment towards him for not being there and and things like that. And, And like I said, once I was able to take myself out of the center of that narrative and step back and look at it for what it really was, I was able to see, you know, like I said earlier, like he was addicted to drugs, had mental health issues. And didn't have the capacity to to care for himself, much less for me. I think that what happened for me once he passed is I was 
I mean, I, I definitely still miss the relationship that I wish we had, right? Because there was always that fantasy of what our relationship could have been. That'll always be a part of me to to a certain degree. But I think, um, and, and you hear this a lot um, from people when someone in, someone significant in their life passes that they wish they could have done something different. They wish they could have reconciled the relationship with that person. They wish they could have, you know, said their last goodbyes. And I, I didn't have that opportunity. And I did have one in 2014 and I didn't take it because I was still caught up in like, well, this man wasn't in my life. And then also, I think I was just afraid. I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, it's been literally 14 years, like in 2014, it had been 14 years since I had seen him, spoken to him, knew about him, like, literally just resurfaced from the abyss, it felt like, because he had just like, completely disappeared. Um, So it was also like, well, what do I even, what do I even do? like with with what do I say what I do with these feelings so so I think there was a lot of complexity with that and then he also died in a very very tragic inhumane way and I think that there's a part of me that also is really sad for him because of the life that he lived which was not a happy one which was not an easy one so I think that there's also you know like I I'm able to forgive him um and I think that what I'm I'm left with is not anger but sadness for the life that he lived which was so difficult and so challenging I don't know that he knew peace in his lifetime um that makes me sad just for you know for anyone but obviously my dad and then just also, I mean, I guess a little a little mad with myself for not taking that opportunity in 2014. And then also recognizing, like, you know, 24-year-old Crystal is not the same as 30-year-old Crystal, right? So I don't know that I had the capacity then to see beyond myself. So I'm trying to also, you know, be a little compassionate. So I do feel a little bit more at ease because I think that I don't hold that resentment against him and I, I I will say that's a, that was a huge burden lifted off my shoulders I hear you talking and like I I also had a similar experience where I recognized that I got to basically interview people who knew him and that was a very a restorative process in a way for myself in, in getting to know my father because I couldn't get to know him in person anymore but I recognize that he he experienced a lot of neglect. And so the therapist in me understood that this man could have never given mm-hmm. me what I needed. But then the, the human in me also understands that that does not change what I needed and what Absolutely. I deserved. That's what I struggle with. And that's what gets me angry because I'm angry, not necessarily at the man who couldn't give me that. I'm angry at the fact that I'm still struggling with honing in and believing these things on my own without the support of who I've genuinely wanted it from. Right. So (laughs) once you start recognizing that and you're like, all right, what do I do with this? That could be the point where you can engage in a transformative process for yourself because now I, I can see my relationships with men and how they've been affected by this relationship with this, you know, the number one man in my life. Um, and even that gives gets me mad saying the number one man in my life. Like, yo, he was <laughs> shit. But I still loved him. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like, and and how I show up and what's coming up for me. Like, that opportunity to start observing, oh, this is me replaying out certain behaviors that I started when I was little. And this is why I started them. And this is how those things that affected me. This is how those things that I was experiencing affected me. And this is why I decided to cope this way. Um, that has led me to finding good men in my life and not, and I don't mean in a relationship. I mean, in friendships, I mean, in mentorships, I, I have been blessed to have men who will sit me down and be like, Sasha, this is what you deserve. Even when I don't believe in myself and they are willing to continue to tell, to send me that message because 
I do deserve it. But is I am hard headed <laughs> and it's really hard to uh, get that through my mind sometimes. But I'm so grateful that they're there. You know, it's about making space for people in your life that logically you know are good for you even though emotionally it feels very foreign to to your sense of self. Um, and I will say what you said about your father, how you feel about about him, you understand that he couldn't provide you these things, but you're still upset at the fact that you didn't get what you deserved. I feel like that's how I feel about my mom, and I haven't reconciled those feelings. But with my dad, I think it was a different process, so I was able to heal. So I bring that up to say that, Every relationship is unique and complex in its own ways. And what it takes for one person to heal um, is not what it's going to take for someone else to heal. And everyone has uh, their own process. So I think it is important to, you know, explore the relationship with your father figure in your life, whether they were present, whether they were not, whether it was a great relationship and you live in the gratitude of having that or if it was a challenging one for you and you begin to kind of like peel the layers of the onion back to the point where you do get healing around that that wound that's a great point and obviously one of the relationships I need to heal from is the one with my father your first relationships whether they're with women or you know your mother or father your men the men in your life your father they're so pivotal in your development. Yeah, so thank you for hanging in with us through this very emotional episode. We appreciate you all for, you know, like for all of you hearing this part at the end, thank you for sticking with us <laughs> throughout it. Uh, so that was our episode. As we always say, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Never Told This Pod and definitely let us know what you thought about today's conversation. We love, love, love hearing from you. Or you can email us at nevertoldthispod at gmail.com. And don't forget to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us.